Are we ready to open next month? I think so. You think so? Well, it's complicated. Fire protection, first aid supplies, uniforms, safety training, mat services. Oh, and restroom supplies. So uncomplicated. Call Sent Us. They'll handle all of it. Wow. One company can handle all that? That's not very complicated. So, you'll be ready? Oh, we'll be ready. Oh, I'm ready! Learn how CentOS can help you get ready for the workday. Visit CentOS.com. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com and CBS Sports.com networks. And I hope you had a great weekend, and I finally found a team that plays worse defense than the Packers, the NBA All-Stars. All right, that was an easy joke. Here's what's not a joke. You really should subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app if you have not done so. You know what else is not a joke? You should check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network, which includes Locked On NFL Draft, Locked On NFL, and Locked On Fantasy. And one more thing that's not a joke. Have you gone to PackerReport.com and checked out my world-famous Scouting Combine preview series? If you haven't done so, I've got the quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends posted. There's a free piece for each of those if you're not a Packer Report subscriber. On the wide receivers go up today, there are 58 wide receivers. It took me merely three days to write that story. It's about 12,000 words, but it's it's just filled with really good information, some stats, accolades, and a lot of really, really interesting personal stuff. What kind of stuff will you find in that series? Well, here's an example. I'll be in a, a uh, very extreme example. It's a note on O.J. Howard. If you're a college football geek, you know all about O.J. Howard. He's a terrific player. He will be long gone before Green Bay is on the clock in the first round. One of the best tight end prospects to come along in years. So when he was in high school, he went to a place called Ottawa Academy. Now this is not your um, stereotypical dumb jock kind of guy. He's a uh, very well-respected kid at school. As a high school sophomore, he um, commits to playing for Nick Saban in Alabama. I mean, of course, Alabama is the most important sporting team in that state. He's uh, so here's this very well-respected kid. You know, the kind of guy you you know you probably throw a parade for for his football prowess. As a high school junior, he asks a white girl at the prom. The school says, "Yeah, I don't think so." I'm going to read from Joseph Goodman's story at AL.com. If you, if you click on my story over at Packer Report, it is the part one of the Scouting Combine series of the tight ends. The free story. You can read the whole thing. It's a very, 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 very long story. Unbelievably written. Here's from, uh, here's from his story. When Alabama was finally forced to integrate its schools, scores of segregation academies popped up almost overnight to prevent King's dream. Of course, it would be Martin Luther King he's talking about there. Otago Academy was founded in 1969, which is the same year the Supreme Court ruling on Alexander v. Holmes County Board of Education started, stated unequivocally, the obligation of every school district is to terminate dual, system, or dual school systems at once and operate now and hereafter only unitary schools. So Otago Academy, a school that carried the weight of 42 years of segregationist history, 
made the decision to deny another dream in 2011 and, in doing so, caused a nightmare for O.J. Howard, his family, their friends, and an entire student body. It was a small group of people in positions of power who perpetuated the discrimination. In its aftermath, a community once divided for generations rallied around the Howards and defeated that racism. Long before he was MVP in the 2016 National Championship, O.J. Hero, excuse me, O.J. was a hero back home. The National Championship made O.J. Howard a household name in Alabama and cemented his legacy in Crimson Tide lore. For Howard's family, it was so much else. It was validation. It was relief. It was the kind of peace of mind only parents who have doubted about their parenting can understand. Isn't that just amazing? I was blown away when I was uh, when I typed O.J. Howard into the old Googler to try to find some some good stuff on him. I'm like, is that seriously happened? That is just unbelievable. So that's the kind of stuff you get with the scouting combine preview series. And so far, the quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends are posted at PacketReport.com, and the wide receivers. Woke up at some point today. It's going to be an odd day working for me. It is President's Day. And my kids are off school. So instead of being NFL draft writer, I will be Mr. Mom. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. If your business would like to speak directly to Packers fans, you should consider sponsoring this podcast. Lockdown Packers has a growing listenership and great advertising rates, and as you know, Packers fans are the greatest fans on earth. For for demographic information and more, send me an email at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. All right, on to the main part of the show. There's been a lot of talk out there. Um, I don't think serious talk, but a lot of talk, at least among fans. Should the Packers cut Clay Matthews and Randall Cobb? So we're going to get into that today. Um, I guess let's start with the 2017 cap, shall we? Where the Packers are, depending on the numbers you believe, they're either $40 million under the cap or $43 million under the cap. Um, either way, that ranks about 12th, 13th, 14th in the league in available cap space. For 2017, Aaron Rodgers has the number one cap at $20.3 million. That is followed by Matthews at 15.1 and Cobb at 12.7. So those guys are two of the top three players on the roster in terms of salary cap for the 2017 season. And that's not going to change, I wouldn't think. I mean, even if Green Bay resigns, you know, Nick Perry or Jared Cook or TJ Lang, they're not going to approach those numbers. So those are two of your top three guys. Are they two of your top three players? Of course, the answer to that is no. At least they were not in 2016. Should the Packers restructure, should Ted Thompson restructure those contracts to make them a little bit more in line with their worth in the team? Well, in a vacuum, sure. But of course, we are not dealing in vacuums. We are talking about the NFL, and teams cannot just arbitrarily cut the pay of players. 
it, it takes two to agree with this. It's, I think people sometimes forget that the team, this is not a, uh, the, the team does not serve as dictator here. If Green Bay goes to Clay Matthews and says, hey, you know what? Your cap number is about $5 million too high. Here's a new contract for you. Clay can always say, yeah, screw you, buddy. So, nonetheless, and it, so there's that factor. And Ted Thompson just has not done this. I mean, I've been thinking about this. And the only guy I can come up with that who the, the Packers uh, restructured their contract was Mason Crosby coming off that 2013, it was that 2020, yeah, 2012 season where he missed, it was just about the worst kicker in the league um, percentage wise. Crosby agreed to restructure his contract. Why? Because the, the, the alternative was to get cut. So the Packers restructured his contract. And basically, Crosby, at the end of the day, made every single penny of his old deal. It was just put into incentives. Now, Green Bay, of course, can go to Cobb and Matthews and say, either restructure or we're going to cut you. But in this climate where, you know what? Every team is... I mean, like I said, with Green Bay being 40-ish million under the cap, and they are still, I mean, they're not even top 10 in cap space. It goes to show you just how much cap space is going to flow, or how much cap space there is entering free agency, how the money is going to flow this offseason. So if you're Clay Matthews, and you're Randall Cobb, I'm not sure there's really any reason for you to say, yeah, I'll sign that new contract and take a pay cut. Thank you. I've been, I've been hoping you were going to say that to me, Ted. No, probably not. Because they get a lot of money. And would they average a $15.1 million per season contract, which is, of course, what Matthew's cap hit is this year? Maybe not. But those guys would also get a nice signing bonus. Now, it might not be you know, $30 or $40 million of signing bonus, but... Really, any signing bonus is better than no signing bonus, right? So, I don't know if they would agree to it. So, therefore, that would mean if you want to rid yourself of those cap numbers, you'd have to cut them. Now, should the Packers do that? Well, again, when we, and we went through some of this stuff when we did our um, position reviews a while back. Clay Matthews did not was not even close to earning his salary last year. Based on the 2016 cap, his cap figure of 13.75 million was the most expensive among all three, four outside linebackers and four, three defensive ends. Obviously, his season could hardly have gone worse. You know, there's the performance enhancing drug allegations um, based on that undercover documentary by Al Jazeera America. The NFL, of course, cleared him of that with all that dragging into training camp. He missed five games due to injuries. And then in the 11 games that he played, this is now, this is according to the coach's count here. In 11 games, he had 24 tackles and five sacks. His previous worst season, 50 tackles and six sacks. So his tackle count this year was half of his previous worst count. Now, let me back up for a minute. I, I misspoke there. He had 24 tackles and 5 sacks in 12 games this year. His previous worst season was the 50 tackles and 6 sacks in 11 games in 2013. So his tackle count was uh, 
one half of his previous worst tackle count, even while playing one more game than that. Um, along with the sacks, Stats has that stat called Stuffs, which is a tackle at or behind the line of scrimmage versus the run. Matthews had two and a half in 2016. He had five and a half in each of the previous two years. And last year, oh, excuse me, this year, Matthews had 14 and a half hurries, according to Stats. Last year, he had 20 and a half. So basically, that just shows just how far his production dropped. So I could see Green Bay making a move here to, to Matthews' agents and asking to restructure. I can also say Matthews telling the Packers to take a leap. So if you're Green Bay, what do you do? Do you cut him and try to sign him back for fear of, obviously, you're in fear of losing him? Or do you just have to swallow it? And I'm thinking you might have to just swallow it if you're Green Bay because who, who else do you have right now? Nick Perry's a free agent. Dayton Jones is a free agent. Julius Peppers is a free agent. So those three guys, along with Macy's, those, those are your four best at the position. Do you really want to go into 2017 trying to fix your god-awful defense and maybe not have any of those guys or maybe just one of those guys if you hear sign Perry? So... My opinion here, and I would love to hear your opinion, what should the Packers do? I think the Packers have to suck it up and keep him and hope that 2016 was a case of Matthews just being hurt and not a sign of deteriorating play. Obviously, I know a lot of you think that Matthews is always hurt, but when he played mostly inside linebacker in 14 and 15, Matthews started every game and was among the team leaders in snaps played those seasons. So, I think if you're Green Bay, you just got to cross your fingers here that Matthews can put together a Matthews-like year. And what happened in 2016 really isn't um, what you're going to get again in 2017. All right, on to Cobb. Last year, his cap number of $9.15 million ranked 15th at the position. This year, Cobb's cap number swells to the aforementioned 12.7 million dollars. See, Cobb didn't have a great year in, in 2016. 60 catches, 610 yards, a 10.2 yard average. Compare that to 2014. Of course, that was the year that Cobb earned his gigantic payday. That year, Cobb caught 91 passes, 1,287 yards, a 14.1 yard average, 12 touchdowns. So just off the top of my head, it's about 30 fewer catches. Um, gosh, Cobb had twice as many yards. Holy man. 610 to 1287. It's twice as many. And um, four touchdowns compared to 12. Holy man. You know, I knew the numbers were stark, but I guess I, did, I didn't realize until I said it. Holy man. <laughs> um, wow. Um, I kind of have to regroup after that. I mean, so based on that, I mean, Cobb isn't, clearly is not worth taking up that much of the seller cap. And, you know, Green Bay's receiver core is the number, based on 2017 cap dollars, Green Bay's receiver core is the most expensive in the league for 2017. Now, with Cobb's numbers stated a minute ago, he's still a pretty good year. 
you know, obviously a lot of times catches are opportunities. And, you know, with, with Nelson, this big year in Adams' breakout season, um, Jared Cook emerges down the search. Cobb just had few opportunities. Now, he took advantage of him when he got him. Um, Cobb in 2016 caught 71.4% of targeted passes. That was over, that was better than a 61.2% from 2015. His yak up from uh, went from 6.07 yards per yards after the catch per catch to 5.45 or from 5.45, and he had zero drops compared to six according to stats. So he was much better in 2016 compared to 2015 in those kind of numbers. That said, 60 receptions, 10.2 yards per catch, and four touchdowns. Is it nearly enough for that much money? Cobbs are going into his seventh year now. And you wonder if all that is catching up with him, or if, again, it was just kind of a deal where his stats were down only because of opportunities, not because of play. Um, late in the year, receivers coach Luke Getze um, was asked about Cobb. His approach is so impressive. I've said it before, he's a tough SOB. He is focused, he is driven. Whatever it is that drives him, whatever he's overcome, a little man thing or whatever it is, he's a tough guy. He's someone you want to follow for the young receivers to see his approach and study habits and his demeanor. He and Jordy do a great job of exemplifying that every day. He doesn't even have to say anything, but he does do a great job of helping those guys and leading those guys and setting the expectations, kind of laying out, this is my approach, this is the way I do it, this is why I do it. I think he really helps those young guys. You wonder if that tough SOB thing is catching up with him now. I mean, he's gone through six years of pounding, and at a, you know, at a guy who's 5'10 and 190 pounds, you, you wonder if some of that's catching up with him. Um, and that's the question the Packers are going to have to answer. But who do you replace him with? Again, if you cut Cobb, now you've just created a, you've just created another spot that you have to fill. Because so I know, I, yeah, you got Nelson, you got Adams. But who, who replaces Cobb? I mean, Nelson's done pretty well in the stretch, but do you want to stick Geronimo Allison in there? And to basically, you put Nelson in the Cobb spot and Allison in the Nelson spot. How are you better doing that? So, I don't, I don't think that you are better. And I, I, it, at this point, I don't know that it's worth creating another hole in a roster when you know when you come in, come into this draft, knowing okay, got to get a couple corners. Our outside linebacker core is going to free agency. We're going to have to sign at least one, or not sign draft at least one of those early. If you lose, if you lose Jared Cook, if you lose T.J. Lang, what do you do at running back? You've got you've got enough holes to fill as it is. So why do you want to create more holes? So I think that is what um, GM Ted Thompson and and a cap guy Russ Ball have to figure out this offseason is okay. Cobb is too expensive. Is he open to restructuring that contract? Or we just have to suck it up and, and think to ourselves, okay, well, we're, we're in pretty good shape cap-wise. We can deal with these numbers. 
And that will do it for today's episode of Lockdown Packers. I truly thank you for listening. Have a great day. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.